Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and this week I'm continuing my mini-series on the many flavors of fascism. And again, uh, that is not supposed to make them sound inviting. Uh, I, I just can't help myself when it comes to alliteration, as the title of this podcast uh, should have warned you. This week I'm going to be talking about clerico-fascism or clerical fascism. Uh, people tend to use these terms interchangeably. Uh, this is one that a fascist even one who might openly call themselves a fascist, usually wouldn't agree with or like self-identify with. Clerico-fascism is more of a term that people who study fascism use to apply to fascist movements, which they are paying attention to. Uh, unlike skinheads, clerico-fascism is also most directly associated with historical examples of fascism, primarily in interwar Europe and also immediately after World War II. Now, the term has a sort of debatable coinage. Uh, it was either created by a Catholic supporter of Benito Mussolini, you know, the, the original fascist, like the first person to use this term and to create this political coalition, or it was used by a Catholic priest who opposed Mussolini, uh, a Catholic priest who was a member of Italy's Christian Democratic Party, a deeply Catholic party that opposed the Italian fascist takeover of that country, uh, who coined the term to criticize the Italian Catholics, and especially the former members of the Christian Democratic Party who supported fascism. Now, whoever it was and in whatever context the term clerico-fascism was originally used, its usage today is pretty uniform. Uh, essentially, when people talk about what uh, clerico-fascism is, they're talking about a form of fascism that is more conservative, uh, and more religious than most of the kinds of fascism that people think about. Uh, although arguably, uh, as I'll get to later, I would argue that clerical fascism is the norm, whereas the secular fascism that most people think about, Nazism, is the exception. Uh, and that this uh, secular or neo-pagan fascism that we associated with uh, the Nazi party and with neo-Nazis only becomes more prevalent after World War II, as the Nazi party becomes the primary example of fascism, not just in most fascist minds, but in the minds of most people in the Western world. Clerico-fascism as an ideology involves a more enduring connection between older conservative orders and a new fascist paramilitary type order. Uh, it is almost always Catholic, and thus uh, occurs primarily in the countries of Europe that have Catholic hypermajorities. And again, this is why it is not associated with and is not applicable to the example of Nazi Germany, because Nazi Germany, uh, like Germany in general, is a majority Protestant country. The parts of Germany that were majority Catholic, primarily southern Germany, did not vote that well for the Nazi party. The, that was actually the region of Germany where the Nazis got the fewest votes and their rallies were the smallest, even though they happened to have been founded in southern Germany. Um, but this is sort of uh, getting off into the weeds here. Um, if you want to talk about what clerical fascism is, it is either the literal participation of clergy in the running of the political movement, or... It is the predominance of these sort of more conservative Catholic values and ideology in the creation of this new fascist order. Uh, clerical fascism is often, as I said, more conservative than sort of like uh, secular Nazi-style fascism. Uh, it's a sort of less complete 
overturning of society than what the Nazis envisioned for Germany, um, an acceptance of some pre-existing universal power held by the church, of course, reigns in this sort of like creation of an entirely new state or an entirely new man. In a hyper-Catholic, extremely Catholic majoritarian country, like, for example, Spain or Italy or Austria or France or Portugal, uh, the idea of like, you know, tearing it all down and starting completely from the beginning would be a little bit less palatable to a lot of people and would also fly in the face of decades or centuries of right-wing ideology and the writings of right-wing uh, thinkers and leaders. Generally, uh, clerical fascists also cooperate more extensively with pre-existing conservative Catholic parties, and they also promote an idea that is present in Nazism and neo-Nazism, but is pretty emblematic of fascist movements that we might describe as clerical fascist, and that is called corporatism. Uh, corporatism is a is a political ideology that emerges out of the late 19th century. And the idea is that societies have a sort of like natural shape and natural form of governance, uh, which is not a republic. It's not a democracy, but it's also not like just a pure authoritarian uh, leader or dictatorship. Instead, corporatism is the idea that society's natural, uh, organic, they often say, forms uh, need to be represented in the governance of the country. And uh, the natural organic parts of a society that they're talking about are like professions or, you know, particular sectors of society. So like students or workers or uh, people in the military. And they think that these are the natural, real constituent parts of society and that people should be represented by them as opposed to by, say, you know, a, a regional representative who represents you because they happen to be uh, living or from the same part of the city that you are from. Corporatism corresponds to a Christian, that is Catholic, uh, medieval ideology and structure. Uh, the idea being that society has this like natural shape that the modern world, namely capitalism, uh, which clerical fascists identify with Judaism. Uh, they, so they think that like the modern world has corrupted this natural order and that if only that natural order were respected and enshrined in how society was governed, then there wouldn't be the sorts of like class conflicts and the problems of capitalism that they correctly identify as plaguing their societies. Uh, so corporatism is not a dictatorship, but neither is it a democratic republic like the United States is. Uh, they think that these castes or sectors of society should have power. Examples of clerical fascist movements or clerical fascist governments, like I said, are arguably the majority in the height of fascism, right? In, in, in the period of history when the most fascist movements appeared and governed societies or at least challenged or participated in state power. So the government in Austria of Engelbert Dolfus, the Austro-fascists, who opposed the annexation of Austria by Nazi Germany, not because they didn't like fascism, but because they wanted to be independent Austrian fascists. Uh, these people were a Catholic nationalist party. They believed in the principles of Catholic governance. Uh, they thought that the Catholic Church should have a greater say in how society was run. Uh, they were clerical fascists. The Rexists in Belgium, who eventually ended up being a sort of client party to the Nazi party, they're a perfect example of clerical fascists. The Integralists in Brazil 
are another perfect, obvious example of clerical fascism. They not only believed in the in you know integral power and prominence of the Catholic Church and Catholic politics and Catholic religion in the nature of Brazil, uh, they also had direct participation by fascist priests in their movement. Uh, most of the fascist movements in Latin America could arguably just be described as clerical fascists. Uh, that is until, as I said, the rise to prominence of neo-Nazism in fascism. So this means that the Sinarquistas, uh, who are the primary, like you know, the, the biggest and most important fascist movements in uh, Mexican history, are another perfect example of clerical fascists. Uh, the government of Franco's Spain, Salazar's Estado Novo, Condriano's Romania, uh, etc. Uh, like I said, these are arguably the majority of fascist movements, not a subset of them. However, and again, this is where the arguably comes in, some scholars question whether these people count as fascists at all. Uh, the question is, uh, are they building a radically different enough vision of a response to the modern world? Uh, is the only actual, you know, fascist movement, the only fascist movement deserving given the name, uh, for example, the Nazi party that wanted to completely remake not just um, German politics, but all of German society, uh, that it included even some who thought that they needed to like completely remake the church as opposed to remake the nation in the image of the church or in the image that the church wanted people to have. Um, so some people say that some of these examples aren't fascist. And again, I'm not here to get down into the weeds. I'm here to talk to you about what this concept means and how it is used. Uh, so clerical fascism is a term that is used to describe a lot of these groups, but it is a term that is itself extremely contested. Other scholars argue that clerical fascism should only be used to describe places where the clergy was directly involved in governance or in the political movement in question. Uh, again, this is just like taxonomical wrangling on the part of um, specialists. So if you care particularly about this, uh, there is uh, definitely more to look at here than I'm going to get into in a little 15-minute podcast. Uh, but uh, I would argue that this is a helpful term to differentiate certain types of fascism from other more secular or even neo-pagan forms of fascism. Today, and this is one of the reasons that clerical fascism is important, uh, today there's been a resurgence of church and even particularly Catholic interest on the right wing, and especially in the United States, uh, which makes this concept, clerical fascism, especially relevant today. Uh, this is found not just in uh, memes, you know, Christian nationalists using memes from video games like Crusader Kings or other video games set in the medieval era. Uh, they might say things like Deus Volt, uh, which means God wills it in Latin. Uh, they're using this as a dog whistle, right, to describe anti-Semitic and anti-Islamic violence. Uh, this is their veneration of the Crusades or the medieval Christian world, Christendom, they even sometimes say. Uh, that is a clear example of clerico-fascism, right? Uh, rather than thinking that they need to build an entirely radically different world uh, that is, you know, commensurate to the challenges of modernity and to, uh, you know, a corrective of isolated individualistic life, uh, which is, you know, one of the things that the for example, German Nazi party believed, they think that the answer to that problem is to return to 
the organizations of the past. Some of them are even openly monarchists, right? You know, they want to return to a feudal organization of society. They want to return to medieval theocratic governance, which is something that secular fascists, of course, 100% disagree with. In the United States, we are seeing more and more members of the right wing participate in so-called trad Catholic or traditionalist Catholicism practices. Uh, you know, so they like uh, dress intentionally modestly. Uh, they start praying on the rosary as a political act, not as a religious act. Um, this sort of thing is on the vogue in the right wing. And if you want to read more about it, there are innumerable think pieces about it. Just search trad Catholic and you'll find a million articles about it in Vox and stuff like that. So far in the United States, however, in this particular resurgence of clerico-fascism, uh, there's been little direct involvement from the clergy. Uh, this is in part due to the changes in the governance and uh, structure of the Catholic Church in the wake of Vatican II, the Second Vatican Council, which of course these traditionalist Catholics extremely dislike. Uh, however, right-wing clergy is certainly existent and operative uh, throughout much of the world, and uh, a lot of them talk about you know the ways in which they could harness the power of Catholicism in order to promote their extreme right-wing ideology. Uh, so this could very clearly develop into a more openly and arguably clerico-fascist movement. You know, perhaps that is going to be the form of fascism that takes prominence in the United States uh, with the conclusion of the alt-right coalition. Uh, but we're going to have to see. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you really enjoy the podcast, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 Minutes of Fascism. That's 15 Minutes of Fascism, all one word. You can also check me out on Gmail at 15 Minutes of Fascism at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Hist of the Right, that's H-I-S-T of the Right, uh, and also Fascism15. All right, next week I'm going to talk about something that I have gotten actually a lot of questions about, and it is the term, not the category, but the term Islamofascism, uh, where this term comes from, uh, what possible correspondence it has to real-world political ideologies, and how it is used in a racist way in order to justify political and state violence. All right. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you next week.